helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. How you define success is important. Now, most people think there's a common or fixed definition of success, but our founding fathers knew better. See, Liberty recognizes that we all have different goals and therefore different ideas of success. For example, one of my successes is owning a decent-sized farm near the middle of nowhere and having it all paid off. While I have a cousin who has succeeded in living a, in a good-sized apartment in New York City. You see, I prefer to live out in the country. He prefers to live in the city. Our the definitions of success are different. They're, they're defined by our desires. And just like opinions, we all have our own desires as well. Now, with that in mind, let's look at what's been going on in America lately. What many people claim are our recent failures are actually successes for those who have a different view of how we should live. Meaning, much of what we are complaining about may be exactly what other people have been working for. Put another way, one man's failure is another man's success. Well, hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I'm glad you joined me today because I think this is an important topic. It, it, it'll help us understand partly what is going on and, and why, and then maybe give us some fodder for to decide, do we want to follow along or, or do we want to change direction? For example, there's been a lot of talk lately about Bidenomics and the fact that, well, Biden and his administration say Bidenomics is working. And I've seen many people say, no, it's not. Look at this is wrong and that's wrong and it didn't do this and it didn't do that. And I understand the, what, you're, what they're saying, but the question is, maybe Bidenomics is working. It's just not working toward the goal we were told or that we think it should. Take, for example, the Inflation Reduction Act, which did nothing, by the way, to reduce. Well, it had a couple of tiny programs. The Inflation Reduction Act was actually the, uh, the, the Promoting Green Energy Act. Now, if its goal was to reduce inflation, it was a failure. If its goal was to promote the quote-unquote green economy, it has been a success. It has coerced more and more people to spend more and more dollars to pollute our, our, our environment with this quote-unquote green energy. Yes, ladies, pollute the environment. I've been listening to a very interesting um, podcast from uh, a gentleman. His name is, uh, was it, uh, Brian, Brian Dean Wright. You find, look for the Wright Report. He's been talking about just how toxic and destructive these quote-unquote green energy programs are. So, if the goal was to move us away from fossil fuels into a, another polluting resource, well, it was a success. It just wasn't the success that they told us it was going to be. Well, so then, then you have the, the, the bipartisan infrastructure law. Again, whenever you see the word bipartisan, assuming both sides are trying to pick your pocket. Now, the question is, well, was it a success? Well, Biden talks about, uh, he, was, he was doing an event, um, I think it was outside of Pittsburgh, 
uh, and he was talking about how, you know, oh, all this money was spent, all this money was spent. Um, never really talked about the outcomes, but he always talks about the money that gets spent, which makes me wonder, was the purpose of the Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act really about spending money? Not about actually reducing inflation or improving the infrastructure, but simply spending money. If that was its goal, then I guess you could say it was a success. Now, we might look at as statistics. I mean, he was touting so many things about, well, you know, we've got more people uh, uh, to do uh, working today. Uh, Biden was saying that, uh, you know, there's, he's done more for jobs in the last two years than any other president has done. He said a higher percentage of American workers are are working today than ever before, except as of July of this year, only 62.6% of the labor force is actually working. Right? Pre-COVID, the average was 63. Now, the all-time high was 67 back in 2000, but I want you to think about that. Is the goal, you know, he talked, he touts labor, you know, the peep, the, the unemployment rates and whatnot, but it was the goal of some of the COVID uh, uh, programs to decrease labor force participation. I mean, after all, if you're not working, where are you getting the money to live? Well, you've got to get it from government, don't you? And again, we keep hearing about inflation being down, but, um, not if you actually look at the the, the actual uh, numbers. I mean, sure, it hit its high at 9.1%, but it's receded. It's not sitting there to about 3.2%. But then again, that's still higher than the target of 2%, and I believe it was higher than when, uh, when Joe took office. And uh, Moody's Analytics said that the, uh, the Americans are spending $700 more per month than they were just two years ago. But in Joe's mind, inflation is down. He says wages are growing faster than inflation, but that's not true. You see, your real wages are down. So I have to wonder, you know, what, what he's, he's claiming these things are all great, but is the success really to make people more dependent on government? Because if you're dependent on government, if the purpose of Bidenomics is actually to make us dependent, then it's working pretty well. Because let's face it, if you get your food and your shelter and everything from government, government owns you. Government control can control every part of your life, every aspect of your life. And of course, I love it when Biden claims that uh, he's lowered the debt $1.7 trillion, which makes me wonder why we keep running into debt ceiling issues if he's lowering the debt. Again, maybe a slip of the tongue, maybe he's talking about the deficit. Which was yeah, I mean, 1.7 trillion from a a COVID uh, spending spree that again was illegal and again made people more dependent on government. And if that's the goal, well, then maybe it's all working. Of course, then there's another thing to look at. Uh, I saw this story out of San Francisco, and I loved one pe- one one uh, headline said, "This is not a joke." Um, if you are a federal worker in San Francisco. Apparently, you've been told to work from home. Now, why is this? Is there a problem with the building? Um, uh, are, are there other are there, there, there's issues with this? Yeah, you know what the problem is? Uh, according to the San Francisco Chronicle, the problem is 
crime. See, a federal, according to uh, the reports from the San Francisco Chronicle, the uh, federal employees back August 2nd received a memo from the Department of Health and Human Services of advising them to avoid the office at the Nancy Pelosi Federal Building. And the reason given was, well, there were possible uh, drug use and rising crime in the area. Now, some people may look at the policies in San Francisco, especially the, uh, the, the lack of, of prosecution of, quote, low-level crimes, the, uh, uh, the, the generally light sentences given, in many cases, even to violent crimes, and, and wonder, you know, are these policies failing? Or maybe, just maybe, they're actually doing what they were supposed to do to create a, a, a domestic dystopia that would drive people to call government to become um, more dictatorial, become more tyrannical. We need government to take care of us because of the... You have to do something, and we're going to let government do it because, well, that's what government is for, isn't it? Could this be a drive to make us more dependent on government when it's the very same government that has led us to this this mess again it's not spun that way but when you have you know and again this is the federal government saying your employees if you can avoid the the, the office don't go but we also have uh, you know was how many other businesses have left san francisco have closed down their stores because they cannot afford the cost of theft the cost of crime the the you know the, the the very theft, by the way, that the San Francisco district attorney is not prosecuting. So, no, you can. What is it? What what do they come up with? Nine hundred and seventy dollars worth of stuff you could steal and not be charged. Seems to me that if the if the idea is to create a dystopian future where uh, people will will call for for government control just to be safe on the street, well, then these policies may be working. I mean, let's face it, it's in San Francisco's policies of our, and California as a whole have already driven out high-end stores like uh, Nordstrom, Whole Foods, Saks Fifth Avenue. Well, then you're creating a scenario of lower income, lower job opportunities, fewer people that can, can get jobs to pay to live or to leave. And where are they going to go? They're going to go to government to protect them because that's what we've been trained. Government is there to take care of you, except that's not what the framers created. The framers said government is there to do for you what makes no sense for you to do individually, but that you're still responsible for your own life. Now, sometimes for these, these policies to function, they must do so in the dark. Like I said, you know, we talk about inflation reduction, but that wasn't its actual goal. We talk about the bipartisan infrastructure law, but that wasn't its apparently its goal. We talk about, uh, you know, what is the goal of not uh, prosecuting crimes? Is it to make people more dependent on government or to make things so bad that they scream for government to come save them? I mean, that was the that was Marx's plan. That that that's just the the communist plan is you make you you couldn't have. I forget where I read this. I think it was, but I think it was Lenin that that said, uh, you know, the problem with capitalism is it makes people comfortable. 
They don't want socialism because capitalism makes them comfortable. We have to destroy capitalism so that they will be uncomfortable in capitalism and join us in the socialist utopia that never seems to appear. So I read this other article. Uh, I saw the article in uh, the Post Millennial. Apparently, um, Portland Police Chief Chuck Lovell sent a memo to his officers and non-uniformed employees. This is out of, uh, you know, so the, the Portland Police... He wants them to stop telling them that there's nothing they can do to help victims because the district attorney is soft on crime. This memo was sent out back in May, and apparently a copy was was recently obtained by the Oregonian. And in this, he writes, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, police chief Lovell writes, many times these people are supporters of police, but they feel disheartened by their encounter. A common theme is that officers telling complaints uh, telling complainants that there is absolutely nothing they can do for them or that the problem is a result of someone else's decision. He went on later to say, what is completely unacceptable is telling a community member that you will not take police action because a district attorney refuses to prosecute cases. This undermines our relationship with criminal justice partners and sends the message to the community that the system is unresponsive to the needs. But wait, wait, wait a second. If it is true that uh, the Multnomah County District Attorney, a gentleman by the name of Mike Schmidt, is refusing to prosecute cases. If it's then, isn't it true that the the system is unresponsive to the needs of the community? But I also see it from, to a certain extent, from the police chief's point of view. Uh, you know, the, should police stop acting like police because the DA isn't acting like a DA? And I understand the, the the officer's frustration, right? The this catch and release idea of we catch them and then the DEA just lets them go. Um, it, it's got to be frustrating. Imagine working hard, doing all the work, taking all the the slings and arrows it takes to be a law a law enforcement officer on the streets today, only to have all your hard work turn to naught and not fix any of the problems. He said, uh, he also, uh, Chief Lovell said, I want to remind you of why you became a police officer. You raised your hands and took an oath because you wanted to help people. You joined to make a difference in the Portland community and individual lives. Yeah, and if, you're, and if your work is futile because the policies of the district attorney are to destroy the, that community, but to leave it uh, exposed to, to lawlessness, um, I can understand their frustration. Why? It, it, you know, if, if, why should they take the slings and arrows? Remember, police have been vilified over the last few years. Why should they take the slings and arrows? Why should we be out there being called names, being spit upon, and, 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 and you know, at, at risk at any moment of being charged with a crime for some innocuous little thing, caught, whether it's caught on video or not, if the system is not going to do anything? if they're not making a difference. But I have to wonder, wonder, what is the goal? What is the definition of success for the Portland, for the Multnomah County District Attorney? If it's not to prosecute crimes, if it's not to keep uh, or or to punish uh, those who commit crimes, to make the streets of Multnomah County, which is mostly, I believe, Portland, to make them safer for the community, what is the goal? Because simply refusing to 
press charges to prosecute cases. Um, now, is part of the problem is is the is the district attorney office too busy? If they're looking at it saying we're going to go after the big cases, we don't have time to work on the little cases. Well, that's also another policy. And where's that policy being set? And what is the goal of that policy? See, we all want something for nothing, right? We'd love to have all sorts of, of city and county services and not have to pay taxes for them. But that becomes part of the policy as well. And we have to, again, remind ourselves, what is our definition of success? If our definition of success is lower taxes, well, then we're going to have to recognize that that also means we're going to get fewer services. So there's a lot of questions around that that particular one in, in Portland and in Multnomah County. I want to look at some other things and, and see if we can see maybe the goals are different or maybe we just need to look at them a little differently. But I have to take a break first. I hope you'll head to the website constitutionstudy.com. That you can find out everything we're doing here at the Constitution. I've got some great ideas in the works, and I'm hoping they'll be coming out in the next few weeks and months. So please sign up for one of the mailing lists, uh, my insider update or my, my monthly newsletter. Uh, maybe get my, my articles and videos sent to you via email as soon as they're published. You can find it all there at the website, constitutionstudy.com. Now, another thing that's very popular, these energy drinks. I see them all over the place, and I always, you know, I, I dislike them. Uh, I find them full of sugar and caffeine, and sure, they give you a buzz, but then they lead to a crash. And I've been looking for something different. Well, I found it. I found it a couple of years ago. I found a product that helps me boost my short-term memory and my long-term brain power by using Healthy Cells Focused Recall Vitamins. That's right, vitamins. Not caffeine, not sugar, vitamins. I love it. I use it regularly you know, because of how busy I am. But if you want to find out more, well, you can always go to americaoutloud.shop. You can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell. You can find all the directions there at americaoutloud.shop. Just find the Healthy Cell card. Basically, there's a code out loud. You go to Healthy Cell, you can try the Focus and Recall, REM Sleep, Super Immune Super Boost. They've got lots of great products. But use that code out loud at checkout. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, you're getting 25% off your first order. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. 
Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back, Everyday American, to rejoin the Constitution study. And today, we're looking at the fact that one man's failure is another man's success. Now, I've talked a lot recently about the federal debt. In fact, I've been talking about it for years and, and how it, it, it's fiscally irresponsible. It, it's, it's, log, it's irrational and it's, it's unsustainable. And, and, and I'm wondering, have we got to the point where we've passed the point of no return, where it is impossible now? to get control over our debt. It has grown so large that we can't control it anymore. The government has been running multi-trillion dollar deficits for years. Uh, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars, trillions. Those numbers are almost incomprehensible. In order, if you were to count uh, from one to a trillion every second, right? One, two, three... Count by for a second. It would take you thirty thousand years to get to one trillion. These numbers are ridiculous. Thirty-three trillion dollars in debt. And recent events make me wonder that maybe again we've crossed that threshold. We've crossed the Rubicon. Uh, we've passed the point of no return. You see, we have this positive feedback loop, uh, meaning okay, we have a deficit. We spend more then we take in. That means we have a deficit every year. That deficit adds to the debt. That debt gets larger. That means that there's more interest payments that need to be made. You have to pay more money in interest, which increases our deficit, which increases our debt. And this was kind of a, an ongoing positive feedback loop, but it was fixable. It was fixable. Now I have to wonder, as we're seeing with the recent uh, downgrade of the debt rating by the Fitch rating service from um, was double A plus to, uh, or I'm sorry, from double to double A plus from triple A, we went down. Well, that means that the interest rates are going to go up. You can't get as good interest rates at double A plus as you did when we were triple A. So now we're going to hit this loop. We've, we've kind of accelerated this feedback loop. So we're going to spend more in interest, which means we're going to have a faster growing debt, which means we're going to have to borrow more money, which is going to increase our deficit and on and on and on. It becomes self-perpetuating. Now, to me, and I'm sure probably most of you, that's a bad thing. You know, most of us understand the idea of a balanced budget, that uh, you, if you, you can't continuously spend more than you take in. But then again, I look at society and how many people live on debt. Sure, you borrow money to buy a house, but we borrow money to buy cars. We borrow money to, to, to buy pretty much everything. How many of us 
have credit card debt that that goes from month to month to month. We learned we've lived in in deficit land. We shouldn't be surprised that when we ask our government to give us things, generally things they're not legally authorized to, but we don't want to pay taxes to pay for it, that's going to be a deficit. And this disconnect that the American people have from what they demand from their government and what they're willing to pay for has become this this policy. And people think the policy is to um well, is to make you make to make people feel better, right? We're we're gonna provide for the poor, that never really works, and, and we're gonna take care of these people and that people and and that never really works, and and we're gonna save ourselves from from bad drugs and bad appliances and that rarely works. And but is it could it be that that policy has a success? Not only the success of again making the American people dependent on government, but in destroying the the people's fiscal ability to live their lives. See, the one thing I didn't mention in that that uh, uh, debt loop. See, as we go farther into debt, as we as our credit worthiness goes down, the pressure on inflation goes up, and that again that inflation just makes things worse. But it also is taking money out of the economy and out of the lending pool that people could use to start businesses, grow businesses. So when the government's borrowing trillions of dollars to finance our insatiable greed for other people's money, we actually have less money to create the businesses that would give us that would give us the jobs to pay for what we're asking actually asking the government to do. Now, when we get to the question of asking the government to do things, um, isn't it interesting? How many policies were set were set up in order to uh, boost voter registration or boost voter turnout? Right? As if by by registering to vote magically, you're voting for what you think is right. By by just simply the act of voting somehow is in itself a a glorious thing, a successful thing. We got people to go out to vote. We never stop to think, well, how are they voting? I used to be the same way, right? We just want more people to vote. No, we want more people registered for our team and voting. Well, if your goal is to grow the size of your team and to have your team in power, then that's great. But if your goal is to have a more sound rule of law, a constitutional republic, it's not enough that they vote. It's how they decide who to vote for. Now, this has come to light in an interesting uh, 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 situation that has come to light. Now, for years, for decades now, we've, been, we've had these organizations who pay people to get people registered, you know, go out and register. And we thought that simply by increasing the voter registration, we'd increase voter participation and uh, we'd become more democratic. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we're more democratic? Uh, no, actually being more democratic is bad. And I don't mean party. There's a reason why many of our founding fathers thought democracies were evil, and there's a reason why we're a republic, but that's not my point. So we simply thought that getting people registered was a good thing and getting people to vote is a, is a good thing, but we never thought of what is the goal, what is the, what is the definition of success for some of these organizations? Uh, for example, um, there's a report by the Capital Research Center uh, 
talking about uh, one of these non quote unquote nonpartisan organizations. These these get out the votes. They're nonpartisan. They're not cared. They don't care who you register for. We just want you to register. What we're finding out is that one group um, run by John Podesta, I believe, actually was not so much a voter registration as a Democrat get out the vote drive. See, according to the the Capital Research Center report, uh, the there's an or, this organization called the Voter Registration Product. Project, sorry, uh, was commissioned by now White House Deputy Secretary John Podesta. It's been funded by left-wing donors and is aimed specifically at winning elections for Democrats, at least according to the report. Now, although the VRP describes itself as nonpartisan, it seems they target demographics likely to vote for Democrats, and they hired left-wing consultants to get to help them get more registration. And they've been doing this, by the way, since 2015. And then I thought about uh, with the Zuckerbucks, right? The, the 400 plus million dollars that Mark Zuckerberg and his wife spent to encourage uh, voting focused primarily on Democratic districts, Democratic areas, those that would tend to lean to uh, Democratic which, again, makes me wonder, is the goal to get people to register or is the goal simply to help get Democrats elected? Now, if you're a Democrat, that's a good thing. If you're a Republican, that's a bad thing. But to me, the whole thing is kind of a, a bad thing. because I wouldn't be surprised if there are Republican versions of this as well. I haven't seen them. I would not be surprised. Well, think of it this way. Let's say um, you, you, you're going somewhere, you get out on the freeway, and you're going to know that there are a certain number of people on the freeway that don't r- understand the rules of the road, right? Um, they, they drive in the left-hand lane, they wander back and forth, uh, they follow too close, they, they exit unsafely, they join unsafely. You know there's going to be a certain percentage of those. Now, if you're going out and encouraging people to pack the freeway, and more and more of them are, are untrained. They don't understand the rules of the road. The freeway becomes a very dangerous place. Well, the same way, we have a pool of voters. And I believe everybody who legally should be allowed to vote should vote, should have the chance to vote, should be able to vote. I don't want to deny someone the right to vote. I just wish they would bother to learn what the Constitution says is what these people are to be doing before they showed up voting. That's my desire. But then again, maybe the goal is not to have that. The goal is to have people who believe that an all-powerful central government is the best way to live, and these organizations, um, they encourage that. And, and by encouraging that, they, they succeed, not in strengthening the republic, not in, in enhancing the lives of those people, but in gaining power and in gaining control. How about another twist on this? Now, we all have had teachers. Um, I had some really good teachers. I had teachers that I would never think of again. But I can, there's probably, I can think of three, maybe four teachers that I I still remember they had impacts on my life. Now, these teachers have get together into into a union. And we would think that the purpose of the union is to 
um, protect the, the working conditions of the teacher, right? That's the function of a union to negotiate uh, for the group to get them the best deal possible. Fine. That's the that's what we would think. And and a group that is not doing that, you'd say, was a, a failure. If you had a teacher's union that wasn't spending its time negotiating uh, for uh, to, to give the teachers the best deal that they could get, that union would be a failure. I would think so. So enter the American Federation of Teachers, the nation's second largest teachers union. They had this conference back in July calling Together Educating Americans' Children. Sounds wonderful. It's a teach conference. The, 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 they specifically said that they wanted to give educators tools and strategies to help kids and communities succeed. Sounds wonderful. One of the professional development sessions offered speaking of gun violence, how do we ensure educators' voices matter? How do you ensure the educator? Oh, okay. Um, I, again, safety, violence in schools, any sort of violence, gun violence, knife violence, fist violence, foot violence, that was a, that's a concern that we worked on. But you see, this group, this particular session was taught by the Teachers Unify Unity to End Gun Violence. And their collective answer is, how about we make kids less safe in school? That's not the words they used. They said their idea was we need to have more gun control. If you listen to the Constitution study any while, you understand my, you know my feelings on gun control. It's a good grip, a good stance, and a good side picture. But you know, they 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 want kids not to have, they, they don't want people around that can protect children. They always talk about the the criminal with a gun, never realizing what they actually are promoting is to take away the good guy with the gun. For example, we ended up going to a, a doctor's, a relatively new doctor's office recently, and they recently put up a sign, and I'm seriously considering changing doctors. See, the sign they put up was uh, said, no weapons allowed. And I want to ask, I know it's not the doctors, it's the management team that put this together. I want to ask the management team, if they're not going to allow me to defend myself and my family on their premises, what are they going to do to protect me, myself, and my family? Now, I expect the answer to be, well, we put up a sign. It does absolutely nothing. Now, am I suggesting that this group or this teacher's union believe is, is, would find success in more gun violence? No, I'm not. I'm not claiming anybody here wants more children injured and killed, anyone injured and killed, whether, again, by guns, knives, or anything. But what they are doing is making people more dependent on government. See, if if... If I can't have a weapon to defend myself and you can't have a weapon to defend, who, what do we do? Well, we have police for that. We have government actors for that's what you're saying. Now, I have no problem with armed government actors helping to protect our schools. The problem I have is why am I being denied the right to protect myself with the best tools possible? Again, could it be the success for this group? Again, not more violence, but to but more dependence, more dependence on government. I don't even know if it's stated that way. But I have to ask, teachers, if you joined a teacher's union to negotiate better labor deals for you, does that include trying to promote uh, a, a, gun, a firearm policy that not only you may not agree with, you may or may not agree with, but 
is a violation of the supreme law of the land, the Constitution of the United States? Maybe if these unions wanted to spend less time, say, arguing for gun control and and more for um, security measures in the school that can be done with minimal impact to the children, but maximum result, little things, believe it or not, that can that can make the school safer. Maybe that'd be a little more on track. But really, did you hire a union to be a gun control lobbyist? Now, I have to take another break, one little long the first time, so this segment is a little shorter. Before I do, though, please join me at AmericaOutloud.news every day. Find out what's going on. Find out the news and the happenings. And then take this information and share it. I, I, I go there every day. It's in my regular reading list. And I pick out articles and, and podcasts and videos and stories. And I share them on social media. I share some of them with you here. This, ladies and gentlemen, is how we work together to help secure the blessings of liberty. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Welcome back, Everyday Americans, to rejoin the Constitution study. This is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. We're returning the Constitution to we the people. That means we get to read it. We need to read it and understand it. And today, we're focusing on this idea that what may be a failure to some is actually a success to another. Now, recently, a federal appeals court uh, panel uh, opined three to zero to allow a, a lawsuit to go forward claiming that the city of Washington, D.C. selectively enforced a defacement stat, uh, statute in, their, um, in, in, their, in, in the city. See, the, the District of Columbia has a, uh, a statute that, uh, again, criminalizes defacing uh, public property. Now, back in the summer of 2020, uh, there was a couple of interesting events going on. We had uh, 
Black Lives Matter protesters, uh, they were out in the streets. They were demonstrating. They were spray painting and chalking um, their their message, Black Lives Matter, all over the city streets and whatever. Now, there was a pro-life group. And according to reports, this group got verbal permission from police officers to put their message in chalk on the sidewalk. Now, what was their message? Well, their message was black preborn lives matter. Here's the problem. See, those pro-life activists, they were arrested and charged, while the BLM activists, no, no, no charges were pressed. No arrests were made. Two of those pro-life activists were arrested. None of the Black Lives Matter activists were arrested for effectively doing this. And I would not even go beyond that, right? Because, well, um, apparently some of the Black Lives Matters uh, messages were put in chalk. Many of them were done with paint. Chalk washes away in the rain. Paint mostly does not. Now, was this a failure of the, uh, of the, the, the judicial system in the city of Washington, D.C.? Was it a failure of the police? Was it a failure of the law enforcement and, and the, uh, again, the justice system in Washington, D.C.? Well, I'm much more the I, of mentality of, I care more what people do than what they say. So to me, this was not a, a failure. This was a success. You see, the government of Washington, D.C., by the way, Washington, D.C. is uh, populated... Uh, most of the, oh, I think something like 90 plus percent of the registered voters in, in Washington, D.C. are registered Democrats. And uh, they, the government apparently is quite happy to promote rioting as long as it's for the right group. And we had, remember, we had BLM protesters, we had a fire set, we had vandalism, uh, we had assaults, and the police were kept away. Here you have a legally permitted pro-life group, and they, with after getting verbal permission from the police, put a chalk message on the street, and two of them are arrested. It's quite simple. The success was the, the city of Washington, D.C. is promoting a violent Marxist racist group, and they are suppressing a pro-life group. Seems pretty simple to me. Now, all that's happened is the uh, was the Frederick Douglass Foundation and Student for Life America, uh, who organized a protest, they are now able to, they've been allowed to file a lawsuit over these arrests. Um, that's all that's happened. No decision ultimately has been made, but they've been allowed to proceed. Now, in another example of what might be considered lawlessness and criminal activity, let's go back to the uh, re most recent indictments in Georgia. Uh, against uh, pre former President Donald Trump, um, I've already talked about some of these. I've already shown how these are these these are ridiculous. It 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 assumes that it, first of all it misses the the point that um, President Biden didn't win any election on November third. He didn't. All that happened on November third were the the uh, electors for president were chosen. That's it. Um. These, uh, they, they, they criminalize uh, free speech. They, they criminalize uh, even, you know, renting rooms or, or getting phone numbers and contact information. Because once you disagree with 
our decision about the election, an election which hadn't yet happened, that is now a conspiracy and you know, to, to commit a crime. I was reading, what brought this to mind was an article from Han von Spakovsky, a very interesting person, if you, look, if you read some of his work. And he, he, I agree with him. He says, this is a politically partisan indictment. And many people are calling it, you know, a destruction of the rule of law, um, you know, government run amok. No, this is not a failure of the rule of law. This is the success of the weaponization of law enforcement. Now, it has now become standard practice in this country if you have a political opponent that does not capitulate with you with what you want, all you have to do is find a politically is find someone of your own political party that will prosecute them. Look at what we read from I mean Alan Dershowitz talked about this before. He says these he says it, th- these types of cases are easy to win, but are often overturned on appeal. Meaning, the goal, apparently, according to Dershowitz, is probably not actually to convict Donald J. Trump of these made-up crimes. It's to tar him with a conviction before the election, because the appeal will happen after the election. This is not a failure of the judicial system in, in their minds. This is a success of the politicized judicial system, of using law enforcement for politically partisan purposes. Now, personally, um, that I find that extremely disturbing. That is a that is the express lane run to ta- to totalitarianism and to a dictatorship. So again, what what Mr. Von Spakovsky d- describes as a a failure of the rule of law. I would say uh, the Biden administration and uh, this Georgia Attorney General uh, Fannie Willis, it is a success because their goals are different. To her, the success is how do we apparently, I can't read her mind, but based on her actions is how do we tie up Trump so that he cannot win another term as president? Another example of this, right? Recently, Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, appointed David Weiss as special counsel in the Hunter Biden, um, uh, the Hunter Biden legal issues, right? The the tax evasion, the lying on a federal form, and a lot of people have had, oh, what are you doing? This is a partisan, you know, Mr. Weiss is partisan. He's already shown himself to be partisan. Uh, there was, of course, the original question about did he have full reign to investigate reign to investigate wherever he wanted to? Some people said yes, other people said no. Um, you know, he was not, he was asked for special counsel. He didn't get special counsel. Now suddenly he gets special counsel and, uh, uh, Alan Dershowitz, here we are again, Mr. Dershowitz made a very interesting point. See, under section 600.3C of the code of federal regulations, uh, the, under the qualifications of the special counsel, um, there's a lang- the language includes the special counsel shall be selected from outside the United States government. Now I've heard other people say, well, you know, this is there's precedent, this has happened before, and a lot of people are just saying, no, this is again destruction of the rule of law. Laws, if laws don't, if you don't enforce the laws, what do they matter? Again, what is the goal of Mr. Garland? Mr. Garland has done multiple things this, uh, that. 
are there to protect the Biden family. Actually, interestingly enough, there are some that claim that what they're actually trying to do is not simply protect the Biden family, but the Obama family. But I'm, I'm, I'm not here to get into that. What I want to point out is, is this move a failure of the um, of the idea of holding people accountable? Or is it the success of protecting a, a an elite family? With a lot of political connections, the right the 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 patriarch is the sitting president of the United States, former vice president, spent almost fifty years as senator. If that's the goal, well, then this may very well be uh, an arousing success. I mean, let's face it: if um, pro-lifers can be arrested for putting chalk on a sidewalk, but a, a if you're the son of a prominent family with political connections um you can you 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 can uh, evade taxes and um lie on a federal form and suffer much less punishment than other people which is the kind of the point you know i find it interesting people talk about the sweetheart deal and some say well that's perfectly within the allowable sentence my question is who else has been getting this type of treatment Okay, let me look at one more. And again, hold on to your hats. I am truly changing context here. We're, I'm going completely different scenario, different ta- different area. Um, a lot of people wonder, what is the goal? What is the mission of this quote-unquote transgender movement? And it came to mind again because uh, recently, a dude, a, a, a 40-year-old man, um, just... How do I put this? Uh, just beat the the raised the record of the women's uh, powerlifting record of uh, record by more than two hundred kilograms, or four hundred and forty pounds. See, when they had women competing in the women's powerlifting, the record was three hundred eighty-seven and a half kilograms, around eight hundred and fifty-four pounds. This dude shows up, lifts. 597 and a half kilograms or 1317 pounds and is now considered the world record holder in women's powerlifting now is that a failure of logic is that a failure of reason is that a failure of biology no it is a success a success in what a success in destroying women and in destroying the family See, when you've got a potential Supreme Court justice that cannot tell you what a woman is, cannot define a woman, we've destroyed women. This man, this man destroyed women's powerlifting. How does a woman stand a chance? How does any woman stand a chance against a man in powerlifting when men actually have an advantage in our muscular and, stru- and skeletal structure? We're designed to be stronger in that capacity. We've destroyed womanhood. They've been trying to do this for years, by the way, but they've been doing it through sex. Now they're doing it through this fake biology nonsense, this idea that biology doesn't matter. I, I just heard a, an interview. I wanted to see if I can get him on the, on the program of a professor in Texas who was fired for teaching biology. You know, the fact that... Uh, XX chromosomes are girls, XY chromosomes are boys. 
that it's decided at conception. It's not something that the doctor assigns to you when you get born. He got fired from his job, and he's currently suing. But the goal here is to destroy women, and by extension, you destroy the family. Think about it. In order to have a functioning reproductive family, you need a man and a woman. If you don't have a man, if you have two men, they cannot have children. They can buy children, but they cannot have children. If you have two women, they cannot have children. They can buy them, but they cannot reproduce. In order to reproduce, you have to have a male, and if you have to have a man and a woman. And now we're saying, well, no, you don't have men and women, and now you have children, and we're going to uh, convince them that, uh, no, you're not actually a boy, you're a girl, and we'll give you hormones, and we'll give you surgery, and we will sterilize you. Oh, no, you're a girl. No, you're really a boy. We'll give you hormones. We'll give you surgery. They sterilize them. What happens to the family when we're dealing with a, a ever-growing percentage of our population that has been medically and surgically and chemically sterilized in promotion of an agenda? What could this agenda possibly? Well, once you destroy the family, people become dependent on government. Once you destroy women, you destroy the family and people become more dependent on government. See what happens when you start looking at these things by the outcome and say, maybe this, the, the failure that, that we've been claiming is actually the success because the agenda that's being promoted is not what we assumed it was. So I think we need to learn a lesson from this, especially from this transgender movement. Life is not what you want it to be. It's what it is. Life is not what you want to be. It's what it is. Life is not fair. Life is not equitable. We weren't all born with the same possibilities. We weren't all born the same sexes. We weren't all born with the same uh, genetic makeup. We weren't all born in the same families, in the same towns. Life is not fair. As soon as we start living life as it is, rather than as we want it to be, we can look at it and say, okay, I started here. I want to get there. This is the path I have to take. But the more and more we allow people to say, no, 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 you don't have to worry about that. We will tell you where you started, and we will tell you where to go, and we will force you into the, into the mold that we want you to be. That's not freedom. That is tyranny. We call ourselves the land of the free, but we're not free because we've allowed people to tell us how to live our lives. Not for the safety and, and efficacy of society. No, no, no. Because they think they know better how to live. They wish to impose their goals, their agenda on you and on your life and on the life of your family and on the life of your children. You see, if we are to be the land of the free, we have to be brave enough to stand up and call a liar a liar, to point out the fraud, to point out the evil successes that these people are calling for, not pretend it was a failure, 
realized that was their goal. They may not have expressed it. They may not use those words. But if you look at what they do, that is where they wanted us to be. So this dystopian morass we're currently living through is not a failure, ladies and gentlemen. It's a success of those who want to be tyrants. Now, I hope you'll come back and join us here at the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio network. If you can't listen then, all my shows go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can find them on your favorite podcast app, but please subscribe to the show. Leave me ratings and reviews. It helps other people find the Constitution Study. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But as with everything else, share them. It's by sharing the truth and sharing reality that we also share the blessings of liberty.